Well, as the world is queuing up for inoculations, it looks like the US is also ready for its injection of $1.9 trillion. It narrowly passed through the Senate after a lot of debate over the weekend. Not exactly unexpected, but that doesn't mean there won't be any market reaction today. Uh, we'll also look at whether this could be another day or another week of inflation fears and choppy bond yields. And what will the banks do about it? Plus, China racing ahead and want to buy a farm? Well, Gina's got one for sale. It's Monday, the 8th of March, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, it was quite a week last week, wasn't it? Particularly for bond yields in the US, 10-year treasuries were up 16 basis points over the week, even though they were fairly flat on Friday. We did see 30 years easing back a couple of basis points at the end of the week, so just up 14 points on the week, but that's still quite a bit. And Aussie 10 years, well, they were up six basis points on Friday, but that's still nine points below where they were a week before. Then on equities, well, they bounced back on Friday. The Nasdaq was up 1.5%, but still down over 2% over the week. The Dow had a 1.9% gain on Friday, which is pretty much how it gained over the entire week. And the Eurostoxx 50 and the DAX both down on Friday by almost 1%, but they were still almost 1% up over the week. And on FX, a week of growth in the DXY, the US dollar gaining 0.4% on Friday and 1.2% on the week. The big loser of the week in currencies was the Swiss franc. It was down 2.3%. The winner, the Norwegian krona at 1.3%. And somewhere in the middle was the Aussie dollar, which lost half percent on Friday and a quarter percent over the week. So it was also a crazy week for commodities. Oil rocketed ahead up 7.5% for WTI last week. Almost half of that happening on Friday. But iron ore a marginal gain over the week, but it was pulled down by a 1% drop on Friday. And copper bounced back up 2.4% on Friday. So movement in all directions. And since then, since Friday, there's been a bit going on, not least of which is the $1.9 trillion stimulus bill. It passed by the Senate over the weekend, just 50 to 49 votes. The questions are whether it would be less than that, but it isn't. Uh, they've gone for the for the full caboodle, but shifted it round a bit in the composition of it. Uh, but it means the $1,400 payout, for example, is going to go ahead. But will we really see much response to this? Well, let's ask Ray Atrill, head of FX strategy at NAB in Sydney. It was expected. The only uncertainty was the size of it. But the fact that it was expected doesn't necessarily mean we're not going to see any market reaction to it. Yeah, morning, Phil. But uh, uh, as I always say, never underestimate the ability of, of markets to discount the same news twice or three times over. But um, and arguably, you know, this has been on the card since the, the day of the election result, hasn't it? Really, so going all the way back to November. But you know, that said, I still think there were some uh, some doubts as to whether, um, as you say, it would pass the whole kit and caboodle of one point nine trillion dollars and it seems you know certainly based on what the or the version of the bill that the US Senate passed at the weekend um, that there aren't that much there's not much of a difference between that and the house bill um, you know one casualty I think has been the uh, you know Joe Biden's proposed $15 minimum wage which we knew a week or two ago um, the Senate were not going to allow that under what is called the, the reconciliation process that allows this uh, this budget to be passed by a simple majority. Um, but um, yeah, so a few tweaks relative to the to the House version here, uh, particularly in terms of the size of the um, special, you know, um, or the enhanced uh, pandemic unemployment assurance. So um, originally proposed at four hundred million, sorry, four hundred dollars a week, which I think is what's in the House version. Um, after a lot of wrangling, particularly with Joe Manchin, who is the West Virginia or the moderate or 
a conservative um, Democratic senator from West Virginia. Uh, that has been shaved down to to 300 a week, but it will run through at least September, which is a little bit lo- a little bit longer, I think, than the House version. And the $1,400 cash handout, as you say, is still there, albeit, um, as I say, means tested, I think, from above $75,000 for individual incomes and 150000 for uh, for couples. Um, so it's still big numbers. And um, it's going to add, isn't it, to all those inflation concerns, given... You know, we've got all these other indicators that, you know, the, the economy is, is tracking quite well, really, not least of which has been uh, the, the, the payrolls numbers uh, from the from the Labour Department on, on Friday. 379,000 new payrolls, and they've also increased the, the January numbers upwards as well. The expectation was 200,000 for February, so uh, quite a big increase. And the unemployment rate is back down to 6.2%, which is where it was in 2013 without a pandemic, although maybe not a like-for-like comparison. And Janet Yellen has said... Don't read too much into that 6.2% number. Well, no, exactly that. So she was very quick to come out after the numbers came out. As you say, better than expected numbers. Um, unemployment down a tenth to 6.2. 397,000 new jobs, 38,000 upward revisions to the previous two months. Um, but I think that still leaves us about 9.5 million short in terms of the level of employment that we had prior to the pandemic compared to what we are now. And uh, as I say, Treasury Secretary Yellen noted that uh, something like 4 million Americans have dropped out of the workforce uh, since the pandemic, and therefore she reckons the true unemployment rate is closer to 10%, which we wouldn't disagree with. Uh, But saying that if this whole 1.9 trillion package is passed, she reckons we'll get to a fully employed economy by the middle of next year. And and therein obviously lies the the inflation concerns, as you say. So just Mm. going back to the package, we've you know, clearly, you know, equity markets, uh, you know, turned around quite sharply on Friday and we ended with solid gains. Um, so it's going to be that interplay, isn't it, between, well, we know this uh, stimulus is coming down the pipe. Is that going to support risk assets um, or is it going to cause the bond market to have another hissy fit, uh, particularly with regards to the funding of this, this deficit as well as the potential uh, inflationary implication? So, you know, my view would be yeah. that if, if, you know, if the bond market takes this in its stride, uh, and equities can remain buoyant, then uh, things like the Aussie dollar can probably uh, can probably creep higher. But if it is the case that, uh, that the bond market decides to uh, to wreak its vengeance, if you like, and we head back up above, you know, 160 on those 10-year uh, treasuries, then uh, the risk is that that will feed back uh, into some more equity weakness and uh, and the Aussie dollar will, will come a cocker as yeah. a result. Yeah, but what about also Aussie bonds? Because we saw the yields come back last week, whereas the the US obviously they stayed up there. So, no, I mean, I we mean had, could we uh, see Aussie yields <laughs> rise? Certainly our rate, our, our rate strategists were, um, you know, were, were thinking that, uh, yes, that, that spread widening that we've seen that was above, what, it was above 50 basis points at one point last week in terms of the spread between 10-year uh, Aussie mm. government bonds and US treasuries. We've come all the way into, what, about 24, 23 basis points there so um um you know obviously if you know if, if treasuries do head north again inevitably that will pull um australian government bonds higher but um let's see what uh, phil Lowe, the rba governor has to say on wednesday now a very keenly um, anticipated speech given what's been happening in bond markets in particular um you know and the challenge that the rba has had in, in convincing markets that um you know that uh, that rates are not going to go up uh, in in his view at least until 
2024, markets have been uh, you know, busily pricing in first RBA tightening in 2023. So yeah. um, what he has to say on Wednesday is going to be pretty what, uh, crucial in terms of markets. And similarly in Europe, isn't it? Because the ECB, they meet this week. They put, they publish their weekly numbers of the, uh, of the pandemic emergency purchase program today. It's expected it's going to step up somewhat uh, or have stepped up in the last week. But there is the question, I mean, what are they going to announce later this week? How, how are they going to tackle the, the, the prospect of rising bond yields? Well, they're probably going to sit on their hands. Um, I mean, they've sort of been speaking out of, out of both sides of their mouth, if we believe some of the, uh, you know, the source stories. You know, initially, uh, Christine Lagarde, the ECB president, was out, uh, you know, saying that, uh, you know, a rise in bond yields that has the effect of, of tightening financial conditions in the euro area would not be helpful um, and yet, uh, you know, later uh, during the week, we've had uh, various reports saying that uh, the ECB is, is, is not sufficiently concerned um, to want to do anything about it in terms of stepping up the pace of, it, of its QE bond buying. So, um, um, so it probably reflects the views of, of, of different uh, council members. So they all come together on Thursday, as you note. Um, you know, so I, I suspect we won't have any explicit um, uh, policy changes out of that meeting, at least. But what Christine Lagarde has to say in the ensuing press conference, I think, has uh, has every potential to be somewhat market moving. And look, if we're looking for the perfect storm when it comes to, you know, adding to that inflationist agenda, well, let's add oil as well, because after Thursday's meeting of OPEC Plus, they, uh, they decided not to ramp up supplies again. So we could find, you know, that we're having a, a recovery uh, with jobs numbers improving, a recovery that coincides with perhaps, some would say, too much government money and not enough oil. I mean, if you wanted to grade inflation... Surely that's the way to do it. Well, absolutely. So, um, yes, I was just looking at the Brent oil price. We we almost hit $70, didn't we, on Friday? I think uh, $69 mm. and change. Um, you know, the root cause there clearly is the, the decision, I think, came out middle of the week um, that OPEC plus Russia and friends would, um, you know, would roll forward the, um, the, the existing sort of production curbs through into April. Um, you know, two weeks ago, we were looking at them, um, you know, actually – starting to ramp production back up a little bit in April. The fact that they are saying they're not going to do that, you know, has been worth the best part of, uh, you know, 5% on oil prices. So what, 3% plus or minus gains on, on Friday. And, and, and yes, and other commodity prices also generally doing well on Friday. So, um, you know, thinking about the Australian dollar here, ultimately, you know, if commodity prices you know, stay high and go up, that should, um, you know, transcend some of these other forces that have been uh, pressing down on the Aussie dollar in the last week or two. And ultimately, we would still expect it higher. But yes, um, you know, I think some of the inflation readings that we'll get, we get uh, US CPI this week, don't we? And we also get the mm. University of Michigan's um, Consumer Sentiment Survey, which contains, you know, updates on consumers' inflation expectations. So uh, so what happens there, I think, will be interesting. But, uh, you know, certainly, yeah. you know, oil prices alone are, are going to feed the mood, if you like, of higher inflation. Uh, but, the, you know, Policymakers are at one, including Janet Yellen again last week and Jay Powell earlier in the week, saying this pickup in inflation that is inevitable from the base effects of very low levels a year ago, uh, but also the pent-up demand that uh, that this stimulus package is obviously going to to help unleash as and when economies reopen. Um, you know, it's going to be transitory, yeah. and the jury is, is is clearly out on that. So it's still the big issue for. Uh, 
as we go through the, the, the weeks and months. Well, let's throw another one. Uh, more fuel onto the fire. What about the uh, the massive surge in exports from China? Uh, it pushed their trade surplus to more than $103 billion in January and February, way more than was anticipated again. So, I mean, that is a sign that global demand is growing. Absolutely. It? So exports in the first two months of uh, 2021. So remember, because of Lunar New Year, um, the Chinese don't uh, produce monthly statistics for January and February, but um, taking the two months combined, exports are up 60% on the same period last year. Now, before we get too excited about that, remember that exports fell off a cliff in February last year, which obviously was the first month when the pandemic had gone truly global. Um, but markets were looking for something like 40%. So that's uh, that's quite some miss, isn't it? And um, But also imports mm. up 22% um, in the same period last year. Uh, it's expected to be up about 16%. So, you know, a reflection both of the uh, the strengthening in in, uh, in global demand, and we know that particularly in the goods sector at least, which is the area that's held up much, much better, obviously, than, than services. But the, the fact that their imports are, uh, you know, are back up at sort of 20% plus year-on-year terms is also, a, you know, a sign of the so, ongoing mm. veracity, I think, of, of China's economic recovery. Well, locally, uh, so the AFR today is leading on that green seal story uh, that Telstra might also be uh, caught in, up in it. That That is a, uh, that, that is a, a d- d- really touching so many parts of the world right now, isn't it? But look, otherwise, weekend auction clearance rates were up a little bit. Speaking of, uh, re- which is a good sign, obviously, and speaking of real estate, if you want to buy a farm, well, Gina Reinhardt's got one. Actually, she's got seven up for sale, 1.9 million hectares. Uh, you need to be very good at fixing fences. If, if you want to buy one of those, I would have thought. <laughs> but, uh, no, absolutely. So a uh, little bit of interest there. I suspect that the Foreign Investment Review Board will have some interest in uh, mm. uh, who might be in the market for uh, for her uh, beef assets, basically. But, um, you know, obviously with cattle prices at uh, near record highs, you know, following obviously devastation to stock. Um you know, she's, she sounds like she's being very opportunistic there, but uh, there will doubtless be, you know, domestic but as well as foreign interest in that. So uh, one to watch for sure. Possibly from China. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. All right. Good to talk. It's going to be another interesting week, isn't it? We'll see what it brings. Uh, good to talk, Ray. Catch you again very soon. I think I'm talking to you again later on in the week. We get a double dose of you this week. I don't know what we've done I to I think you there. do. I think you do. Ahead of my holidays next week. Oh, so, right, uh, yes, yeah. look forward to speaking to you on uh, Wednesday, I think. See you right, then. Okay, we will see you there. Now, look, also, it's going to be very interesting to watch this week and subsequent weeks as economies start to reopen. So the UK is sending kids back to school today. And in Israel, uh, if they've had about 40% of people vaccinated and over the weekend, they basically reopened all of the economy, bars, restaurants, airports, hotels, schools, all opening. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to trace their progress. That's it for today, though. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.